0: E S T. If you love the Established Church, this is the place to have conversations about why the Established Church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here.
1: Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for Established Church Leaders by Established Church Leaders. My name is Josh King. What's up, Micah?
0: What's up, Josh? Not a lot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I came in hot what? this morning, man. <laughs> what? What's up? Yeah. yeah, how are things in Conway?
1: Oh, they're good. We had snow this morning. It was pretty and it went away. So We
0: have snow coming this afternoon a little bit. That's our snow. So yeah. Chattanooga... We don't get much snow, but we, so about two weeks ago, we were supposed to get maybe a half inch. We ended up with four inches in like Mm -hmm. five hours and it was done by like noon, one o'clock and it was completely melted by 6 p.m. that night. See, that's perfect. Like all the way gone. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as perfect (laughs) snow, but that's as close to perfect in my opinion as it gets. (laughs) It's magic. It's fun.
1: Hey, I was, uh, I was going to ask you something totally not
0: relevant to anything.
1: Uh, Chattanooga.
0: Is that a native American word? Yeah, that's a good question. I would assume so, but I don't know that I know that. I'll have to find out. I I think so, but I don't know.
1: I went down a Wikipedia hole last Mm -hmm. night because there's a new casino opening in Arkansas. And I was curious about which Native American tribe was opening that because you could tell by the branding it was that. And it's Quapaw. And then I learned that Quapaw, um, one of the words for Quapaw, if I'm saying that right, I'm sorry if I'm not, um, the French called them Arkansas. And that's where The state, the river, gets its name as a name for the
0: Quapaw. As you were speaking, I just uh, did a little Googling. This is very interesting. The word Chattanooga comes from the Creek Indian word for rock coming to a point. And it refers to Lookout Mountain, which comes to a point and overlooks downtown, what is now downtown Chattanooga. So, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah,
1: That's awesome. So, now we just Uh, have to figure out what Tampa is named after.
0: (laughs) For (laughs) Bradenton for, for Sam. Bradenton. I don't hey, think be- that's a Native American word. Before we go any farther, we want to talk about Church Initiative. We are so pumped about this partnership with Church Initiative. Church Initiative really makes it so easy to get these programs started. All you need to do is identify one person who's interested in leading the ministry, purchase a kit. It has everything you need for a 13-week video-based support groups, and you connect your volunteer with Church Initiative coaches, and they take it from there. This is incredible. It's you know two different options. There's grief share for people who have maybe walked through grief or trauma. There's divorce care for people who have struggled you know, through a divorce. Uh, and Church Initiative creates these incredible outreach programs. And if the pastor would get behind it, recruit it, promote from the pulpit, you know, those sort of things, they can build an effective, sustainable community ministry in no time. The videos have a documentary news magazine feel. They're really unique. It's one of the reasons people love the programs. I've told you this before. We use both of them here at Brainerd. We're thankful for them. They've been very encouraging to our folks and uh, have helped them Walk through difficult times. And uh, pastors and leaders, other than me, even re- report regularly that people are coming to Jesus because of them. They get involved in their churches, marriages are restored, so much good fruit. And so we, we, we love partnering with them here at EST Church, and we would encourage you visit churchinitiative.org forward slash EST to learn more, or you can check the show notes out at samrainer.com to find the link. It's absolutely right. It's
1: a great resource. And again, that's churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. So, the topic I thought we would, uh, you know, kick around here, if you're cool with it, Micah, is just sort of ministerial pastoral development. I think we're talking on a professional level here.
0: I, I think – I mean, I think both – professional and personal, right? And you and I were talking about this topic earlier. I think this is a great topic. Mm-hmm. We A lot of the listeners to this show uh, are young staff members at churches that are interested in either serving in an established church, or they're going to pastor an established church, or maybe like I was, a bivocational pastor who didn't have a seminary education yet, and um, maybe just hasn't had the opportunity uh, when mm-hmm. you're bivocational. It can be a little more difficult when you're bivocational to get that sort of opportunity. And so there's some you know, we've had questions like, what, what do we do about personal development, professional development? You and I have lots of conversations with the young staff members at each of our respective churches. The- I had one of these, I had an hour long conversation yesterday with one of my younger staff members about why I think it is valuable to get uh, some formation, some professional formation. And uh, when we say this, Josh, we're talking about seminaries, obviously, one option, Bible college seminary, it's a great option. We'll talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're also talking about reading we're also talking about uh conferences and maybe some other options as well right yeah that's what i'm referring
1: to also i think some of the you know one-on-one conversations and having intentional one-on-one conversations with intentionally selected people so yes um that's been huge
0: basically like a mentor relationship
1: well not uh, yes but not just that so like yeah um I was struggling with some of uh, the issues that, that are going on in our tribe. And one of the things that I felt like doing, to be honest with you, one of the things I felt like doing was just grabbing a couple of um, like-minded brothers, sisters, and sit down and we could all echo chamber each other and, <laughs> and you know commiserate. But what I did instead was uh, there is an older, uh, well-connected pastor in our community. And I asked him to lunch. I bought his lunch and I just sat down and said, you know, Teach me some knowledge. Give me the give me the way that I should view this, the way that from your perspective, which is You were looking for a Yoda. I was. In you that specific realm. And then in that topic, yeah. Yeah. And then I have, you know, occasionally I have preaching questions and um both of us know, many of our listeners will know. Dr. Stephen Smith is um a pastor right down the road from me and mm-hmm. regularly if I have a preaching question I'll ask him for coffee or just text him and so specifically intentional conversations that are helping me develop down the you know you're picking the right if you need a strength coach or a agility coach you pick the right one so that's right that's some of those deals
0: that's good man yeah. so let's let's talk let's start with maybe i think what's probably the most regularly thought of and that's bible college or seminary right Mm -hmm. we recognize not everybody can go there not everybody can do it and that's okay there are other great options to help get shaped and formed but um uh you know but um the idea of engaging through some sort of Bible college or seminary course can be incredibly helpful. I mean, you and I both went to Bible college. You and I both mm-hmm. did master's degrees in, in a seminary setting. And you and I are both in the process of doing our doctoral work Right in a seminary setting. So, clearly, we're fans of theological education, right? Formal theological education. Right. And, you know, just the other day, one of our ministers
1: was messing with me. Um, no, one of the other pastors. And he said – so when you get a doctorate, are you going to make everybody call you Dr. Josh King? And I said, no. And he said, so when you write a book, are you going to put on there? I said, I'm not going to write a book. And uh, he said, then why would you want to get a doctorate? And I said, well, just in case I get tired of you guys, I'm going to go find a big church. And uh, (laughs) he starts laughing. And I said, no, honestly, I'll, I'll be completely transparent with you. I just wanted to meet other people and be challenged. And it's a way to do that. It's a, I have the means and the opportunity to do it. It's a, you know, an intense way to do that, meet other people and be challenged. And so I really could not care less about the paper or the degree itself, but I wanted to go meet other people and spend that that time. And there's something fun about it. Like when I was a kid, I loved going to church camp. And to be honest with you, it feels a little bit like that. I go down to seminary and spend a week and I'm challenged. So, that's my motivation. And one of the reasons why I'm so um, big on it, uh, I think there are benefits outside of just having a piece of paper, which I think the paper's fine too. It's a good thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's helpful. I, I will tell you this. I, so, I, I was talking to a young staff member or I don't think that was that conversation. I was talking to someone in the past week and I told him, I said, I not one time can I remember in the last – You know, five or six years hiring a single staff member where the degree they have was a significant factor in whether we brought them on or not. Uh, We've hired multiple people with no formal theological education. I've hired staff members without a college degree. I mean, pastoral staff members without a college degree. So that on uh, for a guy who has a bible college degree and a seminary masters and a doctorate i mean I, maybe that's surprising to some people mm-hmm. M- but at the same time i was having this conversation with this younger guy yesterday still trying to push them towards a formal theological education and here's why i think you're right i think it's nice to meet people i think in fact i think that's a great benefit from a doctoral program mm-hmm. i think i think it, it's good to be challenged the challenge piece to me is the best very rarely almost never Are we naturally precise theologically? I hear lots of people who are very much, it's not that they're inflammatory, it's not that they're unorthodox, they just lack theological precision, which causes difficulty in the hearers, those who are listening to you teach. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I, um, well, anyway, I just it, it, it can cause a number of difficulties. <laughs> I was thinking of a very specific example, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. I don't um, even know what you were thinking, but it's yeah, just funny that you're like. I'm not going to go there. You're yeah. Out. I'm going to veer away from that, just um, that room. <laughs> but this is what I told our young staff member yesterday. I said, you know, I look, he's secure here. We love him here. He's going to, he's a, he has a long future here. If he wants to be here, seminary education is not going to change that. But I said, look, the reason why you could, view, view, you know, gain some value from theological education is being forced to study topics you wouldn't study on your own, being forced to think through them in a way that you have to articulate a position and then placing them in front of an expert to be judged and then have to respond to that, right? That's what forces us towards precision. When we have to articulate our thoughts, have those thoughts weighed by an expert and then judged, which is what grading is. And then we have to respond to that. That's what forces um, effective articulation. That's what forces theological precision and there's an incredible benefit to that. Do you have to go to seminary or Bible college to get that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it's a very helpful format to acquire that sort of precision.
1: Right. And and I think to be precise or to help kind of with our listeners, some people just their minds aren't geared towards when they hear theological precision, they are thinking down the, the track of PhD, but that's not necessarily what you're saying. Theology like in our practice as well being very good at what we do not only what we think and how we articulate it that's important but then also what it is we do so i'm in a what's considered a professional degree or a maybe like more of a pragmatic degree you know it's not heavy on research and heavy on writing and that is also beneficial you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um, I think both of those are good. I will. I'll say another thing. I have to take some leveling work because of my masters. It wasn't an MDiv, which is mm-hmm. a whole another thing that I can yell about later. But <laughs> I took. I'm taking some masters level work, and to be honest with you, it. Uh, I just at first was really annoyed by it, but then as you get into it, I like it. There is very few. You say there's very few um, people who are naturally. Well, I guess we nobody is naturally theologically precise. Also, in especially if you're a church leader, if you think about it this way, there are very few settings in which I am in in which I am not the top opinion, the top dog, the top leader. Right? Very few settings. If I'm even if I'm out into the secular realm and I'm at such and such meeting, I'm there because I'm a community leader. Right? So we surround ourselves by being this way. When I go into the seminary setting, even being at the size of church I'm at or the level of experience I have, I'm just a student. I just, I have to be challenged. I have to learn, I'm not the top person. So I have to meet these standards. And I think there's something healthy about that. And I found myself enjoying that and learning and being stretched past my opinion because in most settings, naturally we're the leaders. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's a benefit as well. Actually, this just brought up a really good piece that I wanted us to talk through, Josh, and that is, to me, I love formal theological education, but that is significantly less important uh, than the spirit of a learner and a heart of a student. So, Mm. I know an individual who completed an advanced degree, doctoral degree, who liked to brag that they got through their entire doctoral program without ever reading an entire book. I would hire someone without a college degree before I would hire that individual yeah. be- because the degree is insignificant in my mind that uh, someone who, who without a college degree, but was a voracious student who maybe just didn't have the opportunity to go to mm-hmm. college mm-hmm. to me is a far better, a op- uh, far better option than the individual who for some reason has the opportunity to go through all the way through, but was very you know, comfortable in the idea that they had never completed the, d- you know, never had to really do that much work to be able to complete the degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, now, the thing is, people who tend to have a heart of a sp- student and sort of vor- voracious, they, they're, they tend to find a way to get some sort of formal education, so they often go together, but I've found examples of people who don't, and so I'm interested in the question, are you a learner, are you a perpetual learner, do you have a spirit of humility that you don't think, uh, you know, you're not narcissistic, you're not you're not walking around with a lot of hubris, you're ch- constantly trying to be challenged and shaped and you're open to receiving correction from others whether it's face-to-face or in the context of a book, you know, shaping you. Those are the mm-hmm. things that matter to me most.
1: And I'll say last thing before we kind of move on past uh, formal education is these benefits that we're talking about here like the paper, the degree itself is We don't want to act like that's not beneficial. It is beneficial. It'll help you, quote, unquote, in your career-wise, if you're trying to be a professor, um, those sort of things. Those Those are good and they are helpful. However, this other benefits come through just being in class. So what I would encourage people to do is if you find yourself stagnant or you're wanting to kind of further development, and this is an avenue in which you're kind of interested in. Don't feel like you need to bite off a whole master's degree or a whole doctorate. Maybe those certificates or maybe just signing up for specific classes. Those are options as well that are affordable and um, can fit into, you know, church leaders and settings that are just like where you're saying, I can't do a 90-hour master's right now. I just can't do that. Okay, well, take a class or two. It's just fun kind of. Tip about it. Maybe you'll just get a certificate, but that's not bad.
0: You're well, and you know there are multiple schools out there who offer um, uh, what they call a MOOC, right? A mass online something another class, mm-hmm. uh, and and they'll often do it for free. I know I'm doing my PhD at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and they offer classes like that on occasion completely for free and so as an opportunity you know you've got an opportunity to to find an option like that grab it and shape your skill yeah Uh, and listen if you're someone with a phd or a demon or something like that why would you not still take advantage of that i mean let's let's say i mean i'm a you know year and a half two years away from finishing up my phd i hope it depends on how (laughs) much i can get done I'm not, you know, graduating with a, with a terminal degree does not mean that you've now figured it out, right? It means that you've conquered the requirements necessary for that degree. You've got to still be consuming data and information and growing as a leader, as a, you know, as an individual in your relationship with Christ and in your capacity to serve and lead. And I've been pastoring now for over 20 years, Josh, and I feel like I'm just now beginning to figure a few things out and there's still so much that I don't know, you know, Mm. I mean, I, I, I hope that that's my posture to some degree for the rest of my life and ministry. Right.
1: So let's talk. And you know, we often bring up our what do you call it, like um, you know, seminary that sort of stuff. What about reading? You got any tips on reading to develop?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, part of it depends on what your reading style, right? Uh, are you, um, are you someone who likes to read one book at a time? Do you like to read multiple books at a time? Uh, I have not been as good about doing this since I've been doing my doctoral work. Uh, I've just not as done as much reading for fun since I've been doing doctoral work because almost everything I've been reading has been related to my degree. Right. But for the first 15 years of my adult life, uh, 15 to 17 years of my adult life, I kept a stack of about six books on my bedside table. And I would not go to bed at night until I'd read a chapter minimum of one chapter. Mm-hmm. And that was just my policy. I read a chapter every night before I went to bed of a different book. And, uh, I wasn't like, I wasn't obsessed with completing any of the books. Like I could go really slowly, take my time, work through it. But the idea was to constantly be living with this sort of tension of needing to grow and keeping fresh content in my mind, uh, at all times. And so, um, I, I don't. Th- I think there are easy ways you can do this, right? You can just keep some books. Don't have to feel pressure to, to get all the way through them right away, uh, but just constantly be consuming some data. And by the way, there's this new book called "Leveling the Church," which would be a fantastic addition to anyone's <laughs> library. It's got this this author this author named Micah Fries and another author named Jeremy Maxfield, and they would love for you to take advantage of uh, grabbing a copy of that book.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely need to get that book. I would encourage just a couple of things that. I think don't get said enough is if you're a church leader and sometimes there's this feeling of guilt or pressure if you're not reading, you know, several books. If you can do it, that's right. But listen, there's no condemnation in Christ. How many times does that need to be said? Praise the Lord for that. You're not a bad leader if you're not reading a million different, you know, published hardback books. So I like to read, I love it. Um, There's a couple of things. I'm with you. I'm I'm in my doctorate. Then I have that master's level course. I'm also teaching a four-part sort of like um, it's an intense discipleship program here uh, on Ephesians. And then I've got two sermon series I'm working through. So there's not a lot of time I want to sit there and read anything else. But nightly, I, I'm with you. I do read a chapter from Something for Fun. And then I will also read through, you know, curated news, things on leadership, technology, um, anything to do with kayaks or Ford trucks. Those are the things that I read and I like it. And so I think that developing your mind is a thing that is good. Uh,
0: Yeah, and I would say. To to your point, though, Josh, you know, reading books is great, and I think as much as we possibly can, we should, but you're right. There's no condemnation, but one of the things I do, I don't read the newspaper I- anymore per se. I don't get a copy of the newspaper. We do subscribe to the local paper, but I read it exclusively, 100% online. I don't read any uh, on, you know, a uh, physical copy, but I do subscribe to a, I do use a blog reader. I use Feedly. And I have – I'm trying to remember exactly how many I have. I probably have right at 100 different blogs and websites that I subscribe to. Some of them are just general Christian sites. Some of them are related to our specific tribe. Some of them are related to sports. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are academics. Some of them are my friends. But that's essentially my newspaper every day. I wake up every morning. I read through – in fact, usually before I get out of bed in the morning, I wake up. I read my Bible. I read – most mornings, I read this, you know, news feed. Feedly thread. And, uh, yeah, my Feedly thread. I, like I go through feedly. all the – you know, feedly. Works real, it works really well. I mean, there's other ones out there. It's just the one I happen to use. Right. But uh, I go through it and I get sports. I get news. I get politics. I get local content. I get friends. I get devotional thoughts. Go through all of that. And so, that to me is one of the best ways of keeping fresh and on top of what's going on, lo- you know, uh, nationally and locally and up to, you know, stay up to date on those sort of things.
1: Yeah, I would also add that I think you should be able to speak in depth about something other than the church and theology. Uh, I, I think those things help you be a real human. So I can talk to you about the latest kayak, you know, models that are coming out. You don't care. I call it nerding out, right? Nerd out on the thing that you like. And yeah. there are people that are tech geeks. Um, there are people that are just, you know, gearheads, whatever. That's cool. Do that because it helps you stay more rounded. The other thing that I would encourage people to do is read. Um, if you can't, and I know some people don't like it, but uh, I read fiction. Like I read a very specific genre of fiction, but there's something about that that helps your mind. I think it makes you a better communicator uh, yeah. To to yeah. be...
0: Other than just reading commentaries, you know. I think the thing about reading fiction that helps you is, number one, it causes your mind to be creative, right? You think Mm -hmm. stories help help us to be creative. And so, the more you can read stories. But I think it also expands your vocabulary, right? So, those two things can be really helpful. And have you ever heard the thing that
1: like 20 minutes – there needs to be 20 minutes after you study till you go to bed or you'll forget it? No,
0: I've never heard that before. Yeah,
1: and so it's a practice I put in. I don't I don't read any one topic longer than twenty minutes and I don't read my sermon um, you know, with closer to twenty minutes to when I'm going to go to sleep. So interesting. I'll I'll study, 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 and then I'll take a break, read something else for twenty minutes, and my retention goes way up. It's just the way your brain kind of files things. If you do it right before you sleep, you'll forget things. Which is true too, because when I pick up that fiction book again, I'm always like, Where was like when did that character come in? Because yeah, I read it right yeah. before I went to sleep. So. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've talked about formal education and even informal education. We've
0: talked about. Here's the interesting. Well, sorry, what? go ahead. No, I'm just. What, well, I was here's just an interesting. Okay, so here's the interesting. Obviously, a dynamic and significant element of sort of development right now is conferences. What do you think mm-hmm. about conferences?
1: Man, And I I mean no disrespect about this I love going to conferences I just never go into the conference (laughs) Um, I'm a big fan of them I just go I I love them for networking Um, I like to read more than I want to hear somebody tell me what their book says Um, So (laughs) that's just It's kind of my I just never have been real pleased with conferences So I love the networking aspect And how it gets everybody together But yes, that's me How about you? You like them?
0: Um, ish, <laughs> ish might be. I mean, yes, there are some conferences I like, some that I don't like. If Mike um, is speaking at it, then it's a good conference. Okay, so this is going to sound really bad. I do go to conferences that I speak at. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm in those sessions. Does that count? <laughs> and I mean, I do go to a few others. Here, here, I'll tell you, I do think there's some. there are some real benefits to conferences. I think they can be incredibly motivational. I think they can be very refreshing um, I go, I tend to go to a few more conferences maybe than the average person. Cause I just, I, I tend to speak at a few of those. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I think that effect can be a little less for me than maybe, you know, sometimes if you only get to go once a year or, or twice a year to something like that. So I think for someone like that, it can be very refreshing. I think it can be encouraging. Mm-hmm. You're in the doldrums of ministry. You're beaten down a little bit. It can be really good to, um, to do something along those lines. Um, at the same time having said that the the other kind of the the part that i think is not as helpful is that i think conferences sometimes dump more information on you than you're able to consume and process and that's one of my challenges with conferences like i would rather limit the topic a little bit and have you know teaching and then some form of digestion and application and that sort of thing conferences I think it d- just depends on what your purpose is in your conference. Are you trying to inspire, encourage, edify? Okay, that's great. If you're trying to actually change action, I'm not so sure a conference is the best way to accomplish that. But that's just my opinion. And that may be my le- learning style. And you maybe, uh, we'd love to hear from you on social media at ES, yeah. you know, on Twitter at, at ESG, at EST Church or at Facebook. Um, tell us what if it's different. What conferences do you. you like? Yeah, because what conferences are your favorite? and And is it helpful for you? I think
1: we get worn down by them. But I think you're right. Not only information, but also uh, what you, strategies or processes. And we have a temptation. We go there and in that setting, at that place, this seems like the silver bullet. And so yeah. we yeah. want to go back and then we go to another conference next year and we go back and we keep changing our strategies and stuff. So you got to walk in knowing who you are, who your people are, feel confident about what you're doing and pick up some what I call some nuggets of truth. If you find those and can apply them, great. But overall, be encouraged by them. If you walk away feeling, I can't afford this either financially or stress level, then you you did it wrong or they did it wrong. But either way, that's not helpful to you because, again, there's no condemnation in Christ. Yeah. So, be yeah. yourself and kind of go experience this. I will say, though… Um, there is a couple of buddies of mine that do these things called idea days and they're the oh, anti-conference conference. Yeah. Um, we've had one of them, um, Josh Tice on the show. Josh Armler has been on the show as well. Um, they are, they do these conferences. I think they're really cool. I haven't got to go to one yet, but I've seen a lot about <laughs> them. I read about them. I think they're
0: awesome, but they're over in Vegas and I don't get to go to Vegas a lot. So Yeah. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. I, and I, I want to be really clear. Conferences can be awesome. They can be fantastic and great. I'm pro conference. If it's helpful for you, I just sometimes they don't. uh, Maybe it's just my learning style. And again, I do speak at a number of them, so I don't want to sound like a massive hypocrite. I mean, I do think they're valuable and I think they can be helpful. I just find that two, three, four days in a row can be more than I can consume personally. And it may just be that I'm just not as smart as the average cookie, you know. And so I Mm -hmm. just maybe you guys are smarter than I am and can you can you can consume it better.
1: Can I? It's not like I want to show behind the curtain or something here, but I've had so many conversations with pastors that I believe are really great fathers. They're really great pastors. They're doing a good job. They're faithful for decades and decades and decades. None of them go to all the conferences. None of them read all the latest books. None of them um, care a whole lot about formal education. None of them. Now, all of them participate in those things with a different sort of mindset, They do read books, but they tend to read classics or things that are proven to be true. They read those again and again. They love going and encouraging people, and they love to be encouraged. Um, They value their education, but they don't worship their education. So I say all that to say that regularly, and I'm sure you run into this as well, younger or newer ministers or pastors look up and they feel like they need to ingest all of this stuff mm-hmm. all the time, and then they get stressed. And that's really not how this works. That's yeah. not how yeah. – you're not going to find very many um, – I'm not talking about successful like large churches. I'm just talking about faithful, good pastors and that are obsessed with those sort of things that you think are valuable. They, yeah, they have a value, but they're not ultimately the most valuable thing.
0: I think folks like that have a tendency to um, be obsessed with learning Mm -hmm. but also playing the steady long game, right? So not constantly needing impact change every six months, Mm. right? Recognizing – now, I want to be careful I say this because there can be a temptation for some people to hear this and say, oh, well, slow and steady wins the race, so therefore – you know, I don't have to do much. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, these guys are hard workers, Mm -hmm. but they recognize that um, change generally happens, especially in established church, over time and by degrees, right? That's a significant element of pastoral leadership, I think, in the average established church. Now, there can be really broken places where you have to do rapid um, escalating change, but generally, change in the established church happens over time and by degrees, and so I think I've seen a lot of these guys that you're describing, they play that long game. They grow, they're consistently growing, but they're growing in a slow and steady sort of uh, pattern.
1: Yeah. I think that when we first start off, we feel like that there is some sort of level that we need to level up to. Like if we get enough cookies or coins, then we become this, uh, you know, the red Mario. And then all of a sudden we're a good pastor. And there's nothing like, let me just tell you, there's nothing like that. There's There's no leveling up in this thing. It's just faithfulness and intentional change and intentionally developing yourself and your church. Just that's how this works. And it's yeah, all, that's, that's right. That's how it's always worked. So that's all the time we have for right now. But we do want to mention yet again our friends and sponsors at Church Initiative. Uh, you can find out more information at churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. Both of those resources that they have and many other resources, divorce care and grief share, are available there. You can also find more information at the show notes at and uh, we'll check you out later.
0: You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey, this is Tom Rayner. I'm here to tell you about Church Initiative. This ministry partner has been around for a quarter a century, 25 years, and they're the creator of two highly respected ministries that can help your church grow and revitalize. They are Grief Share and and divorce care. I just commend them to you greatly. I know you're busy, so the thought of adding another ministry sounds challenging, but the makers of grief care share and divorce care get that. It's why they have a team of experienced coaches. They equip your church members to get the program started, so it's not just on your plate. Pastors are saying this is one of the most easiest most effective ministries they've ever offered. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash EST to learn more about this life-changing support group that will draw people to your church or check today's show notes and you can find the link there. Make sure you join us and learn about Church Initiative and their great ministries.